0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Thursday, January the 20th, 2022. It is currently 1146 a.m. Central Time. And once again, I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, located right here in Ovalo, Texas, where it is currently... 26 degrees outside. What in the name of bubblegum is that? 26 degrees. That's no, it's not acceptable. I think it was yesterday when I arrived at the church, it was in like, I think it was close to 70 degrees. It was in the 60s. I don't know exactly where. It was nice. And then when I finished all of my live broadcast yesterday and I started packing everything up, I'm like, okay, I'll go take some things to the car. And I I, I got ready to take the first load of, of books and equipment to the car. And as soon as I opened the front door of the church, I was like, oh, wait, what just happened? Someone did not inform me of this. Okay. I, I obviously I had not been paying attention because clearly a cold front came in and it was cold and the wind was blowing like 9,000 miles an hour a little bit of hyperbole. And I was like that's that's no good. That's not good. And when I woke up this morning, yes, it was like 20 degrees, it's up to 26 degrees. That's it's like a 40 degree difference from yesterday. It's some crazy Like the fluctuations of temperature over the last couple of days has been bizarre. But I think it's supposed to finally get back up to where it needs to be, where it's warmer. But it is cold outside, and I don't want to be out there. I would rather be right in here, which is where I am, in front of this microphone, talking to you about spiritual pitfalls. About spiritual pitfalls that you need to be on the lookout for, right? Because, for example, I'm going to use my opening illustration are my opening information about weather. I'm going to use it as an illustration. When I walked into the church yesterday, see, it had the appearance of everything being nice. Everything was nice. It was warm. It was fine. In fact, I even left the uh, the front door of the church open for a few minutes after I got here yesterday because it was so nice. And I was like, okay, it's no problem. Uh, but when I opened that door to step back out, everything had changed. It, see, it, it gave the appearance to me that everything was going to be the same, but it actually wasn't. I really want to stress that because when when there's been lots of discussion about spiritual pitfalls, but I want to make sure we understand that I that I think the idea of a spiritual pitfall is something that is it's it's a pit that's covered by something that looks not it doesn't look sinful it doesn't look dangerous it doesn't look anything it looks perfectly acceptable and okay you don't see the danger it it, it looks perfectly fine like if you if you name something as a spiritual pitfall that already is just wrong from the very outset that to me is not necessarily the the idea of a spiritual pitfall and remember our definition of a pitfall let me uh, pull up my notes here really quick i was looking up uh, scriptures about something else here we go pitfall here is our definition or gave, gave of a pitfall a pit flimsily covered or camouflaged and used to capture and hold animals or men. It's a pit where you put a flimsy cover on it, right? It's, it's covered with something that's flimsy and the sense that it has to be flimsy is because as soon as you step on it, it caves in and you find yourself at the bottom trapped in the pit, spiritually speaking. So whatever you're going to call a spiritual pitfall, it has to be something that just looks at least as not, necessarily dangerous. Just like the weather looked fine, I walk into the church and when I walk out, boom, I get hit with cold. Now, that's not, I, I didn't fall into a pit, but it's the thing is the 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 temperature as it was when I walked into the church gave me a sense of, well, it's going to be this way when I leave the church. I, I never, it didn't cross my mind that it's going to be radically different. Now, I know that's not a pit, but it gave the appearance of In a sense, it gave the appearance that everything was going to be the same. Everything was going to be warm. Everything was going to be fine. And then it changed dramatically. Just like a spiritual pitfall is something that looks fine, looks acceptable, looks okay. And you don't see the danger lurking underneath. That there's a pit there that you're going to be trapped in like an animal. You're going to be trapped and you're not going to be able to get out. That's, that's, I really want to stress that concept. So, The reason reason I'm mentioning all of this is, well, as you already know, I know sometimes I just start this like, well, everyone knows exactly what's going on. If you haven't been with us, we are in our Bible study exercise this week. And for our Bible study exercise this week, we're really dealing with a more of a topical study. And that topical study is this. We are dealing with the concept of spiritual pitfalls. We're using Genesis 37 as kind of our launching point. We're not really trying to just work through Genesis 37 necessarily verse by verse in that kind of way, but we're just trying to really get us to think about there are spiritual pitfalls out there. where there Everything looks fine. It looks safe. It looks good. If I, I, I'm going to lose my voice. Everything looks fine. Everything looks good. And then the next thing you know, you're down in that pit. I really want to just drive that point home. It looks safe. It looks fine. And then you're, you're, you're trapped So we're using Genesis chapter 37. So let's go back through this and we'll review the spiritual pitfalls that we have I have identified so far and then we're going to probably just get to one today all right here we go Genesis 37 verse 1 and hopefully you've been just reading and reading and reading and reading and reading the chapter because what I' what I'm doing is I'm identifying the pitfalls. What I'm hoping you're catching on to. Now, I didn't explain this. I think one person person emailed me and they kind of figured out what I was doing. I don't think, I don't know if everyone else, maybe everyone, maybe it's so obvious the reason no one has mentioned it is because everyone caught on to what I was doing. If you didn't catch it, let me explain. I've been working through Genesis 37, giving you these spiritual pitfalls, but what I'm hoping is that you're catching on And you're seeing how these pitfalls that I'm mentioning show up later on in the chapter. How they show up in other stories in Genesis and other stories in Exodus. I'm giving you spiritual pitfalls, but I want you to be like connecting them with other stories in the Bible, right? Because what I could do is like, here's a spiritual pitfall. Now let's go to this text and this text. See, see, I'm not doing that. I'm trying to let you fill that in. I'm trying, I mean, remember Bible study exercise rules? This is not for me to do everything for you. So I'm trying to give you these spiritual pitfalls. And then what I want you to go is, oh, wow. If you think about that, go back in, in earlier in Genesis or later in Genesis or over there in Exodus. Or if you go to 1 Kings or Samuel, you see, you, I that 's a good example right that 's a good example of that spiritual pitfall that 's what i 'm hoping people are doing, whether people are uh, catching on to that i, I don 't know someone cut like so you 're giving us the spiritual pitfalls and you want us to go find how it shows up not only in that historical narrative and other places and yes you 're absolutely right that 's kind of what i 'm hoping you will do. maybe I should have been more um, Maybe I should have been more clear on that, but I, I was really hoping people would just kind of catch on that, hey, you're giving us a spiritual pitfall, but you're not really giving us a biblical example of it. No, because that's what I want you to fill in. So all right, does that make sense? I, I'm asking the question like there's a bunch of people sitting in this room. There's no one in this room. Okay, so I'm hoping that makes sense. If it does, let me know, newsif at yahoo.com or obviously in the uh, Discord channel. You can let me know what you think. All right, here we go. All right. Genesis 37. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Now, as soon as I start reading that, this is just true textually. This is not making it an allegory. This is not, clearly it's starting to establish family connections. There's Jacob and it speaks his father, his father, Isaac. They're mentioned. It starts establishing in this. Then to add to this family understanding, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, so now we have Jacob, Isaac is at least implied, we have Joseph, he's 17 years old, he's feeding the flock with his brethren, now you have brothers, so you have Jacob, you have Isaac, you have Joseph, you have his brothers, um, and he's feeding the brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, So now you've got Jacob, you've got his wives, you've got the sons, you've got, I mean, you've got, it's a whole family unit being described here. And so I wanted to argue that I believe that one of the great spiritual pitfalls for you as a Christian is family. Now, I know that that goes against what, you know, family is a blessing. Family is wonderful. Family is great. And by no means am I saying it's not wonderful and not a blessing. What I am saying is that family relations, because family is considered a blessing, because family is considered this wonderful, great thing, that because... That makes it a pitfall because, see, it's camouflaged. See, it's a blessing. It's wonderful. It's great. Family, 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 family. Boom, boom. Well, where am I now? Well, now you're in the pit caused by family. And Jesus warns us of one spiritual pitfall with family is that you you don't hate family in the sense that you do, you place family before God. Family can become an idol. Family can become something that you love more. Family can actually distract you from what you're supposed to be doing spiritually. That's why Paul warns that, hey, before you're married, you can consider the things of God. Once you're married, now you have to consider the things of the world. He warns you of of the danger. So you look at it, you're like, oh, it's wonderful. It's great, it's awesome, and it is. But that's what makes it a spiritual pitfall. So family becomes now a source of all kinds of problems. I'm not gonna go back and preach everything that I've already preached on, but what I want you to do now, and I'm going to now be very specific because this week is quickly running out. So we, we, we've, got to move, we've got to expedite this. Find, I will challenge you to do this. Find three other stories in the Bible where you see family becoming like, man. It's, it's within that family that that spiritual disaster occurred. That sin happened, that problem happened. that disaster happened. Think of it in context of family. Let me give you an example. here's a good here's just an easy example. the book of Job. All right next job's everything's wonderful, he's great, he's wealthy, he's happy he's, he's, he's godly, everything's wonderful and then boom, disaster comes. Boom every kind of disaster you can imagine. I mean, he is he is suffering. He is suffering, right? And so now he's, but he's got his he's got his wife. He's got his wife, right? Isn't it great to have a wife there for you to support you and to be there for you and to comfort you and to help you? I mean, that's the that's the blessings of of marriage, right? Someone to be there for you. You have a partner. You, the two have become one flesh. It, all the b- beautiful words we describe marriage. It's great. And then right there, when everything is fallen apart around him he looks to his wife and what does she tell him to do curse god and die what you talk about a spiritual pitfall you talk about you are not expecting that see that's that's something that happened within the family context the family context Think of the situations in about think of at least three where you're like, oh, man, look what happened in the context of family. And I mean, look, Abram and Sarah. Hey, I can't have, a, you know, we keep trying to have a baby and I can't have a baby. OK, Abram, here's what I suggest you do. Here's Hagar, my handmaid, have relations with her. Well, who expects that your wife is the one that's going to come to you and say, here, I want you to go have adultery. I want you to go commit adultery. It, it, that happened right there in the midst of the family context. It was, it was The danger happened within the family. And next thing you know, we, wait, my family did what to me? Wait, my family's doing this? Wait, my family encouraged this? Wait, my family stabbed me in the back? Look, just think of all the things that happen in the Bible in the relationships to family. Family is a spiritual pitfall, all right? So, We have all of that. Now, the second thing we have, family of spiritual pitfall number one. Spiritual pitfall number two. Let me read read these verses again. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Uh, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. Now, right there in the text, it's just said as matter of fact, but we are confronted with the fact that Joseph Jacob is participating in polygamy. Now, we, I, I thought, do we call this a generational sin? And I decided that we were not going to call this a generational sin. We're going to call this the spiritual pitfall of cultural influence. Because polygamy is something that, that had been practiced in the past, was obviously very much the culture at the time. Even the Bible study curriculum referred to him that he had accepted the cultural practice of polygamy. He, he, he had just bought into the culture. And so we talked about the danger, the spiritual pitfall of culture. And the reason why this is a spiritual pitfall is it's just it's just around us. We don't even notice it. And we talked about the culture of our, the geographical area where we live, like right, the very immediate area, the, uh, the cultural influence of the state, the cultural influence of the country, and then the cultural influence of family, which connects it to the first spiritual pitfall. You just are brought up a certain way. And that way of thinking is a cultural influence that can lead you into all kinds of sin, and you don't even notice it because it's just the way your parents think or the, the way your parents talk or, or, or grandparents or whatever. You just adopt these philosophies and ideas that may not even be spiritual. So we have the spiritual pitfall of family, the spiritual pitfall of cultural influence. Now we come to a third one. And I don't know what to do with the third one because I think it gets ignored here. But I'm going to look at it. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years of old, was feeding the flock, feeding the flock, if I don't lose my voice, with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, what do we do with this? Here's Joseph. He's out feeding the flock. And then he goes running to dad. He goes running to Jacob. Hey, hey, dad, 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 dad. You're not going to believe what my brothers are doing. You're not going to believe what they are engaged in. Now, exactly what are they engaged in? Now, this is interesting First, let's just try to figure out, do we know exactly what they were doing? Now, let's make, we got to be very honest with ourselves. The text doesn't say, but it is interesting looking in church history. I'm going to go here to, and I've I've told everyone to download this, the Katina app, C-A-T-E-N-A. I'm going to go to Genesis 37, and I'm going to go to verse 2, and I'm going to pull up um, some commentaries here from the church fathers, all right? Um, see here, wait a minute. Um, give me one second here. Does it have it here? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I thought it was here. Uh, let me. I'm looking, I'm looking. I thought there was a good commentary here. That brought up some possibilities of what this evil report was. And I'm not seeing if I see it here. Give me a second here. verse two. No, I'm not seeing it. I really thought there was a commentary. I think someone took in the... I'm going to go look for it here. Someone in the Discord channel... I think posted a picture of one of the commentaries from it. And let me see if I can find it. Give me one second. I don't know why I'm not finding it immediately when I pulled it up. Um, Okay. uh, Okay, no, uh... They have a different one here. Okay, wait. Oh, no, here it is. Here it is. Uh, no, that's not the one either. Okay. I don't know where. I, there, I thought there was a commentary. I read too many commentaries. I thought it was on the, on the app with the church fathers that gave the possibility of what they had done. And when I read it, I was like, whoa, you think they did what? Clearly it's not there. So let me pull up another set of commentaries that maybe does mention it. I apologize for that. Uh, so here we go. Let's uh, let's do, let's do a couple of things here so that we can kind of get an idea of what's going on here. I apologize that because I thought there was there's this one commentary where they they say that what the brothers may have been doing and they throw out some serious accusations. I mean some serious accusations and when I read it I was like, "Whoa. Where did where did we get the idea that they were doing those things?" All right, but here we go. Um, the fact, oh, so he, uh, the, Joseph, is with the sons of Bilha, And this is what one commentary says. The probable meaning of this is that the youngest son, it was his duty to wait upon his brothers, just as David had to look after the sheep while his brothers went to the festival and was also sent to the camp to attend to them. 1 Samuel 16, 11, 1 Samuel seventeen seventeen through 18. All right. So most, so here he's probably being sent to, to look after them, to, to provide for them. He's being sent to do that. So he, he, he's got a responsibility to be there. He's taking care of his responsibility, his, with his brethren. But at some point when he leaves, he comes home and he's going to give the bad report to Jacob. Now, exactly what were they doing? Um, let me see if any here, um, what this was does not appear. So one commentary says, hey, we don't, we don't know exactly what they were doing. We don't know exactly what they were doing. Um, let me see here if another commentary adds to possibly what they were doing. Um, okay. This is how one commentary puts it. Acquainted, with, uh, acquainted him with their lewd and wicked courses to the dishonor of God and of their family, that so his father might apply such remedies as he thought meet. So they described that whatever these brothers were doing, it was lewd and it was wicked. I saw at least one commentary that sometimes almost accused the brothers of committing some like sin of bestiality. And I'm like, where did they get that? But these are the the kinds of things that sometimes shows up in commentaries. Um, Let's see. The rest of them... The rest of these commentaries don't go so much into what they did. But whatever they were doing, Joseph sees it. We have no record of him saying anything to the brethren. Now, maybe he did. We don't know. But we do know this. The text specifically says that he comes and gives the report to Jacob. And we can almost hear, again, figuratively speaking here in the sense, since we don't know exactly how the conversation went. But he clearly was like, dead you've got to hear what they did. But he clearly reported it. Now, whether he said dad or father, he, he, he said, here's what my brethren have been doing. Now, is it, was he supposed to come back and report what they were doing? Was he asked? There's so much here we do not know, but I found one commentary here super interesting because they put they add this phrase. Here we go. What this was does not appear. But Joseph's actions brought upon him the, t- the title of tell-bearer or the a reputation of tell-bearing. Tell-bearing or a tell-bearer. Now, if you look up that phrase in a Bible dictionary, tell-bearer is defined as a person who spreads idle rumors or gossip that is likely to cause trouble or harm? This is found in Proverbs eighteen eight. We'll look this up really quick. Proverbs eighteen eight. Proverbs eighteen eight. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. The tailbearer, their words bring wounds. They cause problems. They cause pain. They cause division. Now, is he, it's just interesting that they say that this this is kind of like creates Joseph. Oh, that's the tailbearer. That's the one who's going to go get us in trouble with dead. Now, I'm not saying it was wrong for him to say because I, the text does no way condemn what he does. But remember the the historical narrative, the text doesn't condemn the polygamy either, right? So you got to remember that. I can't say that what he does here is right. I can't say here what he does is wrong. I can't say that because just in the very same verse, the polygamy is mentioned and it is not condemned. Historical narratives are not there to add a moral judgment upon the actions. In many cases, it's just there to declare this is what they did. So I don't know what the brothers were doing. I wish I could find that commentary from I think it had to be from one of the church fathers where they're like it's bestiality or some kind of sexual immorality. I mean, they they just throw in like these brothers were doing something really, 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 really bad because the 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 typical perception of this, the brothers were doing something so bad that Joseph was the righteous one. He was the godly one to come tell on the brothers that the way we're supposed to read the story there is godly joseph you see his halo you see it now he is he's got every godly motive and he wants to run to his father so his father can stop this wickedness so his father can correct this wickedness that's the way we almost preach it see joseph is the righteous one and his brothers were horrible they were committing bestiality they were committing sexual immorality and so that it's usually put forth in that way and, 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 and again, I wish I could find the, the commentary from one of the church fathers. I, pro- I probably can find it if I spend some time, but I, I just thought it was right there accessible. I will find it. We'll talk about it before we finish this week of Bible study. I will find wherever that commentary is because I just want you to see how they portray. And the reason they have to is it makes Joseph seem more right. So here's the question. How do we view Joseph's actions? Well, I can't condemn them specifically because the text doesn't. However, the text doesn't condemn the polygamy. So how do I understand this? Well, here's what I know. Here's Joseph. He witnesses what his brothers... I'm just going to go with just what the words of the text are. Joseph obviously witnesses the... In fact, let me go back here to Genesis 37. I want to be very careful. Um, he... he, he. In fact, let's pull this up. I'm going to pull up Genesis 37. Uh, no, verse 2. I'm going to pull this up in a number of translations. I'm going to pull this up in a number of translations. All right, here we go. Genesis 37, 2. I'm going to bring this up in a number of translations and just see how they emphasize this. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, this just seems like, here's Joseph, and he's like, ooh, I got some dirt. I'm going to go share the dirt. And I can almost read it that way. Hey, he just had, I got some bad, hey, dad, I got some bad news here. I I got some news about my brothers. The New Living Translation. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often attended his father's flocks. He worked with it for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. So, so how how do we understand this? Now, is it possible? I'm just going to throw this out there. That Joseph wasn't really a fan of... His half-brothers? He wasn't even a fan of their mothers? Does this indicate that maybe there was a little bit of division in the family? And so Joseph, maybe there was something bad, but he wanted to make sure he had to go tell someone to get them in trouble. Is that that a possibility? So here is what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. Because I think, I think this is an important uh, concept. Let's say, just, just for argument's sake, that Joseph's attitude here, that his motives here are not the most pure. They're questionable. This leads us to a practical discussion that we all have to have. At what point in your spiritual life, and your Christian life, do you think you have a responsibility to go share a bad report? When do you think you have a responsibility to go share a bad report? And when is it a time to just keep your mouth shut? Now, this goes beyond Joseph. Again, I'm not saying what Joseph did is right. I'm not saying what Joseph did here is wrong. I'm saying Because the text doesn't really say. There's a lot we don't know. He may have confronted his brothers and they said, yeah, go away. Yeah, yeah, we don't care what you have to say. We're going to keep doing it. In fact, just stay right here and I'm going to go do it right now. They could have just dismissed him. Or maybe he didn't even bother to confront them. Maybe he he didn't. So he's going to go and tell, I'm going to go tell dad. Now, was it his place to go tell dad? When When is it? Now, here becomes the spiritual pitfall. Listen, are you Ready? We have the spiritual pitfall of family. And this all, again, so you see how this is all taking place within the family context. We have the spiritual pitfall of cultural influence. There's the polygamy. Now, do we possibly have here, we're going to call this the possible spiritual pitfall of words or of speech. We we, We all use our mouth. Right? We all talk. We talk, 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 we talk. We're we on social media. We're talking, right? We just, they're tapping on the screen. Tap, 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 tap. Post, 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 post. We talk. We talk. If you don't believe your words and your communication can be a spiritual pitfall, then you haven't clearly read the Bible because the Bible constantly warns us of sins of communication, or sins of the tongue, right? We can lie, we can slander, we can gossip, we can do so much with our mouth that only does nothing but hurt and cause division. When are you to bring that bad report and when are you not to? So I I just looked up the term tailbearer. And just here's some general scriptures about tailbearing, all right? Here's, and I'm just gonna read them from the, the, the translation they have here, right? Here we have. Leviticus nineteen sixteen, Thou shalt not go up and down as a tellbearer among thy people, neither shall thou stand up against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. So don't go up and down tellbearing and telling everyone every, oh, did you hear? 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 Uh, does, it, does anybody else need to know? Now, in this particular case, Joseph was reporting it to someone who, if anybody needed to know, it would need to be the father. So in that particular case, at least he's telling the right person. All right. So I'm not saying that what he did here is wrong. Again, let me make it very clear. I'm not saying what he's doing here is wrong, but it gets me thinking about, because I think I think you could, you could take this story and you could break it down and give it to 20 people. And some people are like, well, man, I don't, why is Joseph telling his dad? I mean, come on. What is he doing? And other people will be like, well, he's doing the right thing because those brothers were doing bad things and the father should know. Everyone's going to approach it from a very different perspective. But it raises the question then for your spiritual life, how many times spiritually have you gotten yourself in trouble because you opened your mouth? Don't go up and down, tell bearing. Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart, he that backbideth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor take up reproach against his neighbor. This is the idea of not one that backbite with his tongue. In other words, there is a there is we should be known by what we say and don't say with our tongue. There, there's, a, there's a standard for the believer and what we do with our mouth. What we and what I would say with our mouth, with our speech. I'll say it that way. What there's a there are rules about what we do with our speech as believers. Proverbs 11, 13. A tellbearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. A tellbearer runs runs around revealing secrets. Now look, there's some secrets that have to be revealed. Let's make it very clear. If illegal activity is going on, you got to reveal that to the authorities, right? Okay, that's got to be that's got to be out there. If there's clear sin, in some situations. Uh, Okay. Yes. Uh, we could. Uh, someone just asked. Uh, I wonder if he should have kept the dream to himself as well. That's a very good question because he he, he definitely seems pretty he, he seems pretty excited to go tell everyone. Hey guys, look at this dream I had. You're all gonna bow down before me. I'm not saying that's the way he told the story, but yeah. There there's there. When 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 should have Joseph learned to just stop talking, man? Just shh, be quiet. So let's, but let's go through this as a tell bear. That's someone who reveals secrets. So when if something illegal going on, it's got to be spoken. When sin occurs, sometimes you've got to reveal it. But let me make it very clear. The way it should always work, that's just, just a basic rule. If sin is happening, if wrong is being done, first and foremost, you confront the person who's engaged in the wrong to their face, all right? If they repent, then matter should be resolved to some level, depending on the kind of sin. And who, maybe there's you're going to have to get some other people involved for restoration and discipline purposes. We under we understand that. But the point is, you try to go. You keep. Here's here's the basic rule. Whenever you're you're confronting sin, you only want to have to talk to the people who need to know. Who need to know? Then it must be handled carefully, biblically, seriously, and something must be done. But typically when someone sins, people who find out about the sin, who probably they themselves had no need to even know, then they turn around and go tell other people and go tell other people. Let me make it clear. If someone confesses to you, don't get on the phone and go tell everyone. I have lived through that, okay? Don't do that, all right? Oh, man, I, yeah. I can tell stories of that. Hey, I, I need, I'm need. i going to need to tell you something. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. Click, beep, 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 beep. I'm going to call everyone I can to utterly, completely destroy you. Well, that that's that's not very godly. A tellbearer revealeth secrets. Now, is Joseph being a tellbearer here? Is he going for, hey, dad, 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 you're not going to believe. Now, again, though, he is telling the right person. I will, we got to make sure we don't want to we don't want to add, we don't want to condemn Joseph for something that is not fair to be condemned. So I'm not condemning Joseph in any way, shape or form because I can't say if it's wrong what he did. I can say that it it reminds me of dangers that we all have with our, our speech when it comes to talking about people's wrong. There, there's, there's people who, you go to the individual and then if you and then if that in, if that individual will not repent, then you just go find, you know, well, you need witnesses if you have witnesses, but people who 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 are just need to know. You keep it as as close and as secretive as possible until it must be revealed in a more broader context. Again, if it's illegal, you go to the authorities. Okay, you you can tell the person go to the authorities if it's illegal. All right, that that's a completely different concept. All right, here we go. Um, a forward man, so with strife, and a whisperer—that's a tell bearer—separateth chief friends. See, a tell bearer is going to cause division. A tell bearer is going to cause problems. Now we do know this: Joseph's speech causes some problems in the family, causes some division. There's no way to get around that. Proverbs—that was Proverbs sixteen twenty-eight. Proverbs seventeen nine, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. That's Proverbs seventeen nine. See, the the one that cover, covereth transgression. But the ones who go gotta go tell everyone, all you're doing is causing causing pain, problems, and it, it's you're not helping anybody. Um, Proverbs eighteen eight, the words of a tailbearer are wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. We've already talked about that one. Proverbs twenty nineteen, he that goeth about as a bearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Again, that's the whole thing. The tellbearer is going. To, I gotta go reveal this. I gotta go tell someone this. I gotta go tell someone this. I. I can't stand when I get an email or or a phone call. And, go, and it starts off, did you hear? And I almost want to say, I probably don't want to. I don't want, do I need to know this? What? Why are you telling me this? What What? what do you hope? And, and typically when you confront the person telling, they almost always say, well, I was just telling you so that you could pray. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, make sure you understand this. God can hear your prayers. All right, so how about you pray and not call me, or type out that email. How about you pray? You Do you need to tell other people? Well, I need more people praying. Just pray. God can hear your prayers. You pray and just leave the information alone unless it's necessary to tell somebody. Man, people love to... Man, and typically what motivates... In and, and, and so many cases, I can't say in every case. In so many cases, what makes me mad is the person who's usually the one revealing the information, revealing the secret, In many cases, they're not motivated by godliness or holiness. They're motivated because of some, they're mad about something. They're upset about something. They're bothered about something. So now they're going to go destroy someone, but they try to look like that they're doing the godly thing. I just want everyone to know about this sin. I have no selfish reason to be doing this. Uh, Give me a break, okay? Stuff drives me crazy. All right. Proverbs 26, 20 through 22. Where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So where there is no tellbearer, the strife ceaseth. That's, that's, hey, if there's no uh, wood, fire goes out. If you can get rid of that tellbearer, probably get rid of the strife. The tellbearer is the wood. It is the gasoline. It's the match. And they cause massive amounts of problems. And when I say they, I mean all of us, because we're all, oh, look, we're one second away. We're half a second away from being a tell at any second. All we got to do is open our mouth or start tapping on the screen. Just, uh, just on social, especially social media. I mean, destroy, 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 destroy it's, we've got to think about how we handle things. As coals are burning, as coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is the contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tailbearer are his wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. It's just interesting that that same exact phrase is repeated a couple of times in Proverbs. All right. And then, um, 1 Timothy 5 now some people get very offended about this because it focuses on women 1 Timothy 5:11 through 13 but the young widows refuse for where they have begun to wax wanton against Christ they will marry having damn having damnation because they have cast off their first faith then now here's verse 13 1 Timothy 5:13 and withal with all they learn to be idle wandering about from house to house and not only I- idle but tattlers and also busybodies speaking things which they ought not. And what's interesting about this, instances of a tellbearer. Now, this is interesting in this article. Here, they're going to give us instances of people being a tellbearer. Guess what the very first one is? The very first one. Genesis 37, 2. These are the generations of Jacob being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah his father's wives and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report the very first example of being a tellbearer offered in this article on tellbearing is Joseph <laughs> Now I I'm not going to go that far I w- if I was writing an article, I would just put potentially, maybe, possibly, kind of, because there again, there's a lot of factors here. He is telling the father that 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 would be the right person to tell, but but, but when but when is it when when is the the when is it the right time? Now again, if, I don't know if he confronted his brothers and his brothers said, "Go away." Then, then maybe, but again, what what were they doing? That, that's why it's so important to figure out what we're doing. I, I'm just blown away. I wish I had the commentary here in front of me. I was blown away that a commentary refer, accused them of bestiality. I'm like, where did they get that from? Where did, what? Where did that come from? Sexual immorality. And of course, they had to go to sexual kinds of sins because those those are always the sins that, that you gotta go tell someone, right? If it's a sexual sin, man, you... Shut down the presses, all right? Fox News alert! We've got to make sure the whole world knows that. Okay, that it, it, it's just funny that even no matter when the commentary was written, no, that was always the go-to sins. Then you can go tell everybody. Well, I'm going. Let me back that up, Joseph. You can go tell your father. We don't. He didn't tell anybody else, as far as we know. He told the father. So Joseph did tell the right person. It's just, I just, you know, when, when, when is it anyone else's business? Like. I guess, I guess this and this becomes very subjective. I know, I know this becomes very subjective. But when you when you know that someone else is sinning, like, is it when is it time to go run and tell someone? Like, you know, like do you have to let them struggle through their I mean like I'm not saying that there isn't a time to confront the person, but when is it time to go? It's always the right time to confront someone. But at the same time, don't you have to allow people to I'm not saying some blatant sin. You hear what I'm saying. We all commit sin every single day, right? Everyone does. Everyone does. You, if if, if if I've been around you all day, I bet you I've seen sin. And if you've been around all me, I've seen sin of some kind. There, there, there's always some sin. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of scripture saying, thou shall not do this. You should do this. Don't do this. Don't do that. There's always something that you can find that you're doing wrong. I'm seeing that there, there's sometimes, I don't, do you always have to just get in someone's face at every single second and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? So, sometimes you got to let people kind of work out their salvation and, and there's going to be struggles and falls and you got to kind of let them figure it out. There's a time to confront. And I think sometimes there's a time just to just to continue to encourage and to try to teach and help. And then there's some big sins where you've got to confront the person and then sometimes that big sin does have to be revealed to certain people but again you go to the people who need to know <laughs> you, you don't have to you don't have to let the whole world know other than unless you have your own personal vendetta against the person and and i've, I've seen and and then that that just pr- makes you guilty so i don't know put it this way i can't say what joseph did is right or wrong I'm, I, I know i keep repeating myself there but i just I, I don't want anyone to misinterpret what i'm saying but i think we can all agree that a spiritual pitfall we don't have to go walking anywhere to find it it's right there in your mouth it's your tongue and 2022 doesn't even have to be your actual physical tongue it can just be your fingers you start communicating with people online, you start tapping away. Hey, did you hear this? What about this? What about this person? What about this person? What this, 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 and you got to be careful. Not only are you a tell bearer, tell bearers can, can be, they can actually be telling things that actually occurred. So in other words, you can just be revealing something that you don't need to be revealing to someone But then you have on top of just basically revealing things you shouldn't be telling other people, then you have the danger of gossip, of slander, and then this is even worse, bearing false witness, where you accuse people of something that's not accurate or not true. And Christians don't have any major problem doing that because this is really, and I know it's because of social media, but like we'll say, Maybe we don't like something Joe Biden did. So we hop on social media and we start, tick, 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 Joe Biden did this, Joe, B-, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, that's not accurate. You just bore false witness. And like, well, it doesn't matter. No, 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 no. I don't care if the person's famous. I don't care if the person is completely anonymous. If you say something about someone that's not true, you bore false witness and that is a sin. And you did so in your communicating it to other people. That's wrong. I know that that's, I know that you're like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, you can't be on social media saying things about people, saying things that are not accurate or not true. There's an individual. This has been all over. I I wanted to do some podcast about it, but I'll just use it here. There's an individual. Okay, if you remember after the January 6th attacks uh, at, 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 at the Capitol that not only on Christian radio, but clearly on, uh, on conservative media, it became very common for them to say, well, the this January 6th attacks that happened at the Capitol were not done by Trump supporters. It was done by Antifa dressed up like uh, Trump supporters. And it was carried out by FBI agents who were there to to rile up the crowd and cause it to happen because it was a grand conspiracy to make Trump look bad, basically. And there is an individual now Who's been getting all kinds of attention? That he is a federal agent and that he helped start the Capitol riots. And people, uh, he he's been talked about by people in government. He he's been his family now has received death threats because he's being accused of being uh, a a federal agent and that he was he was there trying to make Trump supporters look bad. Now everything, if you go look at the person's history, he was a Trump supporter, right? I think he was a former Marine. All these things, but there's just all these conspiracies out there about it. there's articles been written going, People, stop saying this about this individual. You're destroying his life. But there's Christians out there saying these things about this individual. And it's like, even if you confront them and go, That's not true, they don't care. But you're like, no, you just bore false witness. That's a sin. That's a sin of communication. Social media has destroyed. Our thinking, when it comes to communication, we think we can just say anything about anyone, put any information, whether it's true or false, and that we bear no responsibility. Let me tell you, God doesn't look at it going, well, he posted that on social media. It doesn't count. No, it counts. Stop with sinning with your communication and with your speech, whether it is in written form or it's verbal. That's a spiritual pitfall. Why is, why is it so dangerous? Because we just talk every day. So it's, it's the last thing you think about. Look, we, we, we're very quick at catching maybe a sin that we do if we engage in a certain action. But sometimes it's hard to catch the sins we commit by words we say. We, and, unless certain times our words will, will go, man, I can't believe I said that. Sometimes we don't even think about all the words we say in a day. I don't know what Joseph did here was right or wrong, but I know it, it's a reminder to me, oh man, okay, when I get ready to talk about what someone has done or give an evil report, why am I giving the evil report? Who am I giving the evil report to what I really do what what's my motivation in doing so? What, why am I letting everyone know this information? because being a tellbearer, and it's just interesting that one of the commentaries say that one commentary puts it out that he just kind of gets the reputation of being a tell Not that he was actually a tell but it's interesting that in this article, no, you need an illustration of a tell The first place you look, Joseph. And I'm like, whoa. And then go back to Genesis 37. All right, here we go. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And, and, and again, I think there is, is it possible that he just doesn't get along with these brothers and these, and, and he doesn't like the mothers here. And he, 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 he in other words, he kind of has a built-in motivation to give any bad report that he sees. Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, I love verse three. Now, Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Now, I have to ask the question, is it possible that because these were brothers from those particular wives, those particular mothers, is that, is that motivating him why he would want to give an evil report? He maybe not, did not like them. It's possible, right? Second, is it possible that the reason he felt like he could give an evil report and do so is because he was the favorite? Was he motivated? In other words, what was his motivation? Hey, dad already thinks I'm great. If I can tell him what, how bad these other brothers are, it even makes me look better. It makes me even look more, more the favorite. Now, I'm not saying that that was the motivation. I'm just saying, it's just interesting that immediately after the evil report, hey, and Jacob loved, and Israel loved Joseph. He was his favorite. He loved him more than the others, which leads to some other, which shows you the division in the family. There's already division in the family. I can tell you this, tellbearing, tattletelling tattle is not going to eliminate the division already in the family. It's only going to increase it as the Proverbs warrant warned us about so we have a spiritual pitfall of family we have the spiritual pitfall of cultural influence and we have the spiritual pitfall of communication or speech and we've all been there we've all used our speech in a way that we should have never used it we talked about what we shouldn't have talked about we talked to the person that we shouldn't have talked to we spread it We, 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 have all done it. We've all done it. I mean, you've got to be very thoughtful about what you say, who you say it to, and how you say it. You've got to, you will find your, and you may not even perceive that your words have any, like you may not even think about it. And then the next thing you know, you're like, how did my words put me in that situation? How did I get there? How did I get in this pit? And it's usually because your mouth did so. Your mouth put you there. Your mouth put you in that pit. Your mouth got you in that trouble. There you go. I, I, let me state it again. I'm not condemning Joseph here, because I don't know. But man, it sure does serve as a point. It put this way, this is one of those texts that you should stop and go. Hmm. All right, Joseph. I don't know exactly what you were doing, but I need to stop looking. Then, then immediately go. Well, what about me? what 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 have i done in this area and i just find it fascinating that, that the very next thing is hey israel loved jo- joseph in fact the very next words now jo- israel loved joseph more than all his children <laughs> And then, and then Jacob doesn't make the situation better because not only is he has favoritism, he then goes on to demonstrate said favoritism by making a coat of many colors, a coat that shows Joseph's favorite status. And it's displayed to obviously the other brothers. You talk about just like a whole, this family has got problems. This family has got problems. There you have it. Now, we're going to put the favoritism possibly into the concept of a generational sin. Possibly. But we'll stop right there because we're at 55 minutes. There we go. Oh, I wish I could. Let me look here really quick. I just got to look one more time. I really thought that commentary about what the brothers did was right here. Um, One commentary from the Katina app and I think this is the only one that has anything on verse two, um, was this. Um, Why does he also indicate to us Joseph's age? For you to learn that his youth constituted no obstacle to virtue, and for you to have a complete awareness of the young man's obedience to his father and his sympathy for his brothers, despite their savagery. Despite his being so well disposed to them, Joseph was unable to win them over to concord with him on the grounds of his youth so as to be willing to maintain the bond of love. Instead, they saw from the outset the youth's inclination to virtue and the father's favor for him and were prompted to envy him. You see, they brought false reports about Joseph to their father, Israel. That's just interesting that that's the commentary for verse two. Just that to me is fascinating because... uh, Again, they wanna make they wanna make Joseph look uh as I mean, all the commentaries wanna make Joseph look like the greatest person in the world. Like he he did no wrong. But um Yeah. There we go. I'm I'm just looking at all the the commentaries here. But there you have it. I thought th- I thought there was more, but there isn't. There's just this one. And then I'm gonna look right here, and make sure. Uh hang on. And no, they, this one goes far, but they don't uh, offer any here. No, they just goes they just go down to verse three. Let's go down to verse three, and don't say anything about the evil report. And this one doesn't say anything about the evil report. So, yeah, there's lots of commentaries on the next verse, just not on that verse there. So I don't know which commentary I read it, but man, they accused they accused uh, those brothers of all kinds of horrible sins. And I'm like, where in the world are you getting this? But it just seemed even from the early church, Joseph is great here. Joseph is wonderful. He's doing everything right. Uh, his brothers were horrible, horrible, horrible. So Joseph did the right thing. He had no choice but to report it to his dad. He had to. Now, maybe, maybe he had to, maybe it was his job. Maybe that's what he was told to do. We don't know all of that. With a lot of speculation there, I'm just saying that is it possible that maybe Joseph's motives, maybe he didn't like them, maybe he didn't like it, th- those th- those those wives. I mean, that's a possibility. Maybe, hey, I'm the favorite, and if you're already the favorite, do that, which will make you even place you in an even more favorable position. And what better way to do that than to say, hey, Dad, you know the rest of the kids in this family, <laughs> they are hot garbage. Yeah, let me tell you what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying he stated it in that way, but we never know the motivations of the heart. So every time I speak, I got to question the motivations of my heart and you've got to question the motivations of your heart. Spiritual pitfall, family, cultural influence, speech. All right. I don't know why I'm tapping the side of my face like you can see, <laughs> okay. but, but right there, inside, inside my mouth, my tongue, all right, it gets me in trouble and it gets you in trouble too. All right, I'll stop right there. Thanks, Will, for your, uh, I, I I didn't get down to, to that part, but we'll try to get to it before the end of the week. Um, and hopefully the discussions will continue. And uh, I'm, I'm finding the discussions on the Discord channel to be very beneficial. And uh, hopefully our speech in the Discord channel will always be that which glorifies God and benefits one another. Because, uh, well, we got to put into practice what we're learning. All right. I'll start right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going home and getting some food. That's what I'm going to do. All right. I don't know how tomorrow's schedule is going to work. Um, I have no idea. Um, if not, I'll be here Saturday and then pray, 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 pray. Hopefully Sunday we can have everyone back here. Uh, man, the COVID cases in the local area are through the roof right now people all around me have, it's just like everywhere I look, someone's testing positive, someone's testing positive. It's just crazy right now. So um, we'll see. We'll see what we can pull off Sunday. Um, My goal is to have Sunday school and Sunday morning with in-person and then Sunday night just streaming. Um, That's what the plan is. Uh, We're going to try to do what we can, but if uh, anyone is having any sickness or there's any possible issues, then it'll just be live streaming. But we, I will be here one way or the other. I'll either be here with people in this building or I'll be here with just this microphone. But one way or the other, I will be here. And, of course, we'll be here Saturday. And then Friday, I don't know. I may, I may not be here tomorrow. We'll see. Um, but um, – Hopefully, I've given you a—I I feel like we should have made it much further in Genesis 37, but at the same time, actually no, because the goal is to just trying to set up the basic pattern here, and then for you to then try to figure out what. what if I read the rest of this story, what do I see? Ah, oh, I see family problems. <laughs> I see cultural influence. I see I see people keep opening their mouths when they shouldn't. Yeah, and then and then you can think of other passages in the Bible where you see these same pitfalls demonstrating themselves. And that's what I want you to be thinking about. Other stories where you see these same pitfalls, because I I don't want you to think I'm just making up these pitfalls. I think they're real spiritual pitfalls that show up over and over and over, not only in the Bible, but in your life and in my life. All right, I'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. God bless.